Now listen, I remember uh, the feeling of heading to uh, high school uh, for the first time. You guys remember like the first time, the first day of school, you guys remember that? The first day at a new school? You know, I, and I have a really bad memory, so it says a lot that I remember this. I have very vivid memories of, of, uh, of heading to school, of the nervousness, the excitement, the fright of like my first day of high school. I remember walking from my house to, to the school. I remember the thoughts that were going through my head. I was like, man, would I, you know, make friends in this new school? Would I like my teachers? Would they like me? You know, oh, this building has like a billion doors. Which one do I even go through? What's the main entrance? Where, where do I go in? And wait. And then wait, they, my friends told me about Freshman Friday. What about Freshman Friday? Is that really, is that true? Is that going to happen? And then every, every teenage boy's worst nightmare. Do they have locker rooms? I think they're going to have locker rooms. I don't, I don't want to go into a locker room. And, and as I was scared of, of all these things, was this going to happen? These are all the thoughts that were going through my head. Anyone, have, anyone relate to those feelings? Maybe for you it wasn't your first day at, at, at a school, but maybe it was your first day at a new job. Right? You ever had that experience when you go in for the first time? Am I going to like my coworkers? Is my supervisor going to be one of those uptight, snobby bosses? You know, uh, What if the train runs late? You can't be late on your first day to work, right? I think we've all been there. We've all felt that way. We've all felt, we've had that, that kind of anxiety, that stress, that feeling of, of not knowing what, what to expect, right? You don't know. Now, imagine all of those same feelings, except you're not going to school. You're not going to your first day at a new job. You're going to church for the first time. Can you imagine that? Some of you don't have to imagine because today is only like your first or your second time here, right? And you're, you're like thinking to yourself, man, I really hope these people ain't weird, right? Or I hope this service isn't long and I hope that guy is not going to talk like forever, right? These are, the, these are the thoughts that are going through your mind. You have some of these fears and anxieties, right? When you walk in for the first time. And Swerve, this is something that we have to be conscious of, right? So we got to be conscious of this because in order to be a church, in order for church to be a family, we have to foster a welcoming environment. Let me say that one more time. In order for church to be family, we have to foster a welcoming environment. And this is what happens in our actual families, right? Think about it. Think about it for a moment. What happens in a family? A man meets a, meets a woman, they get married, and they become a family, right? The family grows from just one individual living their lives on their own to two people forming a family. Then all of a sudden, what happens as a result of that union? I don't mean to get too graphic here, right? But something happens. A baby's welcomed into the family, right? The family grows from two to what? To three. And for some of you, four and five and six and 20, right? And it continues to grow and so on and so forth. But then it doesn't stop there because then that baby goes to high school, goes to college, falls in love, gets married. And guess what? Now the family continues to grow, right? Another person is welcomed into the family. And church is kind of like that. In fact, uh, today's big idea, if you're taking notes, if everybody would just take out your message notes, and there's a couple fill-in-the-blanks there for you to track along and follow along. Our big idea today is this. The church is a growing family, not an exclusive country club. The church is a growing family, not an exclusive country club. Now, do, do you know what a country club is? I, I thought I might, you know, if you know New Yorkers, you might not quite understand it, so I had to break it down for you. Those of you from out of state, maybe you understand here. Not, not so much. A country club is an exclusive place that only the elite paying members can enjoy. Right? Those that pay and have membership status, they can enjoy the benefits of that country club. Right? There's different types of country clubs, you know, for different sporting golf or things like that. There's different types of sporting, uh, sport, uh, of these types of country clubs. Church 
shouldn't be one of them, right? Church shouldn't be like a country club. That's how not to create a welcoming church, right? Like, have our greeters stand at the door before you come in and say, can I see your ID? Before you come to church today, before you come to worship, can you show me your membership ID? You don't have one? I'm sorry, you're not, you're not welcome to church today, right? That's how you don't create a welcoming church. It's kind of like BJ's. Anybody goes to BJ's here? Right? You guys, you guys go to BJ's? I remember, you know, standing on the outside of BJ's, looking in, just peering in through the glass, as all the cool kids walk in to get their oversized boxes of cereal, right? And their gallons of milk for $2.49, right? And I'm just on the outside. I can't go in because I'm not a member. Then I'd see people live, leaving the store, and they have these carts full of stuff with no bags. Everything's just in the cart. Right? And they're pulling these oversized carts. They have these oversized gallons of mayonnaise, you know, and 30-gallon and tubs of laundry detergent. I'm like, man, I, can't, I want a 30-gallon tub of laundry detergent. And I can't. And a tear would drip down my face. And I couldn't go in because only members were allowed. If you've never been to BJ's, and this, this doesn't make any sense, but that's, that's kind of what it's like. If I wanted to go to BJ's, you know what I had to do? I had to borrow somebody else's car. Right? So I had to borrow somebody else's card, and when I go to the door, I just try to flash it real quick. I got a BJ's card and just go in, and then hope to God that the 15-year-old that's guarding that door, you know, doesn't look at the picture and realize that I'm not Sophia, right? And I hope to God that that doesn't happen. But church shouldn't be like that. You know, church shouldn't, shouldn't be like that. At Swerve, we want to be a place that welcomes others. And if we're not careful, we can veer towards that country club mentality if we're not careful. We need to be intentional about creating a welcoming environment that welcomes others because the church is a growing family. That's what it was like for the early church. You know, as we conclude our series today, No Place Like Home, we've been examining the early church and we're seeing how they experienced church as family. We're looking in and we're like, man, how did they experience this? What did they do? What were the differences? What did they experience? What can we learn from them and what can we apply? And we're asking ourselves, how can we make church truly feel like home? After Jesus ascended into heaven and after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the lives of the early church, amazing things began to happen, right? As a result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we've mentioned this several times, there was unity in the early church. There was togetherness. There was generosity. There was community. There was relationship. There was family. And as a result of all of that, guess what happened? The early church began to experience growth. The church grew. More people were saved and the family grew. When you experience that sort of growth, you have to grow in hospitality and you have to be a welcoming church. So as we conclude our series today, I want us to see three things a welcoming church knows. And I want to challenge us to know and expect these things as well. Are you guys ready? I don't believe you. I'm going to do it anyway. Number one, a welcoming church knows this. Number one, that God is at work. A welcoming church knows that God is at work. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Check it out. It's in your notes and on the screen. Every day who? Tell me who added to the number. Every day who? Every day? The Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The Lord. Would you guys just circle that right there? You know, circle the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And if you want to write who, right on top of that, who? Who was it? It was God. You know, we're just a two-year-old church plant. And when you're just getting started, it can be very difficult to see how God is at work. Because so often, we measure success by how many people show up on a Sunday service. Or how many people show up at an outreach or at a Bible study, right? Or how many butts are in seats. And that's how you tend to measure success. 
And when we first got started, there would be Sundays where it was just two or three families present. Ain't that right, Barrios? Right? It was just a couple families present. And the temptation in times like that is to count your losses and just like cut corners. Nobody's going to be here anyway. Does it really matter if we make 10 cups of coffee or two? Does it really matter what we do, right? So it's, it's, it's a temptation to like cut corners, to count your losses and to have a lackluster faith. But you see, a welcoming church knows that God is at work. And it was the Lord that added to the early church, which means that he was at work the whole time. He was at work while Jesus hung on the cross, dying to pay for the penalty of our sin. He was at work after Jesus rose from the grave and ascended back into heaven. He was at work while the 120 gathered in the upper room, waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He was at work throughout throughout it all. He was at work. How does that change your perspective to know that God is actively at work right now? He's at work right now. Whether you see immediate results or not, whether you feel like he is or not, regardless of what you think, he is at work. And here's what that should do to you. This should build within you a certain level of expectation. This should build up your faith and trust that the living God is alive and active in the lives of your friends and your family, your neighbors, and throughout our community. He's alive and active. And he's at work. A welcoming church knows that God is working. So we're in expectation of that work. We know he's doing it. We know that his spirit is actively wooing. (coughs) Excuse me. And pursuing those far from him. Because we have expectation. We can prepare. We can pray. We can plan. We're ready to welcome others into the family of God. Because he is at work. God is at work. He was at work in the early church and he continues to be at work today. He is the one that saves. He is the one that regenerates. He is the one that grows. Now I love what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. It says this, So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Read the last part of this verse out loud with me. Ready? Go. But only God who gives the growth. Underline that part right there in your notes. It's only God who gives the growth. A welcoming church knows that God is at work. Here's the second thing. A welcoming church knows, number two, the family will grow. That the family will grow. Acts chapter 2 verse 47 once again. What did the Lord do? Every day the Lord, what did he do? Every day the Lord, say that part, added to their number those who were being saved. Every day the Lord added to their number. You see, because God is at work, we know that there will be growth. The early church experienced this growth. What that mean for them? It means that there was a lot more people to welcome into the family. It means that there was a lot more people to welcome over for dinner. There was a lot more people in worship and in the temple courts. It means that there were new relationships constantly being formed because God was at work and growing the church and bringing more people unto himself, more people experiencing salvation. Guys, what about for us? If we're going to be a welcoming church, it means that we're going to position ourselves in a place that is ready to welcome others because the family will grow. What does that look like practically? It's the answer to this question right here. How are we growing in hospitality, love, and care? How are we growing in hospitality, love, and care? Not only for one another, right? There should be for one another. For those of that are here right now, there should be that. But even for those who have not yet joined us. 
Look at what Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says. Let's read this verse out loud together. Ready? Go. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Would you guys underline right there where it says, let us work for the good of all. Let us work for the good of all. This is why hospitality is so important to us. Because a welcoming church knows that the family will grow. And we will work for the good of all. And we want to do so through hospitality, through love, and through care. And this is why we have coffee in the back. Do you ever wonder yourself, you ever go to church and there's no coffee there? Why do we have coffee here? Because we, we want to create a hospitable environment. We know that the family's going to grow. We want to create an environment for people to feel welcome. I want you to feel comfortable. We want you to feel at ease. We want you to feel at home. This is why we want you to be greeted with a smile or a hug or a handshake or a high five or a chest bump, whatever you're into, right? We want you to be greeted. We, we want you to feel welcome, loved, and cared for. This is why we try our very best, and we're not perfect by no means. I'm not saying we are, but we try our very best to go the extra mile. And so when you go to the restroom, we got mints in there, and there's air freshener, so when you blow it up, you don't have to feel bad. You can go in there and, and you know, make the place smell like flowers or whatever, right? We want, we want to be hospitable. We want to help you out, right? You know, many of you had a, a Thanksgiving, right? We just celebrated Thanksgiving, and a lot of you guys have people over, right? You had people coming over for dinner. A lot of you went to visit friends and family, and, and you went over. And, and so during this time, right, what, what did you do, right? You... You make sure people are coming over, and so you got to make sure what? That the house is clean, right? So you clean up the house, you light some candles, you sweep, you mop, you throw, you throw junk away, you pick up the kids' dirty undies and socks. Why? Because people are coming over. Because you want to extend hospitality. You want to welcome others, and you want to be welcomed. And it's the same thing in the church. A welcoming church knows that the family will grow. Therefore, we will position ourselves in such a way that we can extend hospitality and demonstrate love, care, hospitality, because the family will grow. All right? Here's the third thing a welcoming church knows. A welcoming church knows how to disciple people. A welcoming church knows how to disciple people. Acts 2.47, one last time. Every day the Lord added to their number, read this last part with me, those who were being saved. Every day the Lord added to the number those who were being saved. In the early church, people were getting saved left and right. Here's what that means. It means that people were putting their faith in Jesus Christ. People were not depending on their own works to be saved, but trusting in Jesus' perfect work on the cross. And what do you need to do when we have a bunch of new Christians popping up? What do you need to do when that happens? New Christians need to be discipled. In other words, they need to be taught how to follow Jesus. Discipleship is the process we all have to go through as followers of Jesus. And honestly, it's a process that we never finish. But it's something that we all go through. Discipleship is the process of following Christ and becoming more like Him. It's a process. It takes time. And it best happens in community. That's why the church is so important. And if you're a new Christian, guess what? You have a lot of questions. How do I read the Bible? How do I pray? What is baptism? What are the sacraments? What do I need to do? What do I need to stop doing, right? You have all these questions, and discipleship is the process of answering those questions and helping you live out your faith. 
And as a church, we are responsible not only for our own spiritual growth, not only are you guys each individually responsible for your own individual growth, spiritual growth, but also for the spiritual growth and the maturity of those who will put their faith in Christ within our church community. You know, I love the way Paul puts it in his letter to the Colossians. Let's read this together. Ready? It's uh, Colossians 1, verse 28. Ready? Go. We proclaim Him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Would you guys underline the last part of that verse right there? So that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That is discipleship in a nutshell. A welcoming church is one that makes a priority of discipling others. It's helping you take your next steps. It's helping you draw closer to Christ. It's helping you become more like Christ. It's helping you grow in holiness. This is why life groups are so important. And whenever our semesters open up, this is why I communicate it over and over and over and over again until your ears bleed, right? We talk about it all the time and we invite you and ask you to be a part of it. Because in life groups, it's in life groups that it's, we can create an environment for you to feel loved and cared for, but so that you can also be challenged, so that you can grow in your walk with Christ, so you can be held accountable. It's an important part of your discipleship journey. This is also why serving is so important. Because Jesus didn't come to serve, uh, to be served, but to serve, right? Growing in our walk with Christ means becoming more like Him, means drawing closer to God, is a call not simply to, not, not simply to consume all the time, but to contribute and to give. It's a call to serve. And discipleship helps you see your need to serve. Right? It helps you see that God has uniquely blessed you and wired you with unique gifts and abilities and talents. Not so that you can hoard it to yourself, but so that you can share, so that you can serve. This is why giving is so important. Because every sinful desire within you tells you to stack more, save more, hide more, hoard more, put more away, keep more to yourself. But we serve a generous God who generously gives. And he blesses his children. And discipleship helps you see yourself, and not as a saver or a hoarder, but as a steward of God's blessings and resources. And you recognize, like the book of James says, that every good and perfect gift comes from God. That you don't own it, that God does. And he blesses you and he gives you. So you see yourself as a steward. Money isn't your God. And you don't have to kill yourself in the pursuit of more. Instead, you can live generously. You can live in light of serving a generous God who didn't hold anything back from you. Not his love, not his own son. So you can live generously too. Swerve, God is on the move. And we need to be expectant, and we need to be ready. We need to be a place that welcomes others. Why? Because God is at work. And when he's at work, he saves. And and as he saves, we need to make sure that, yes, we're growing as disciples, but that we're also ready to disciple others, to help and challenge others to grow in Christ-likeness and service and in generosity. Now, throughout this whole series, we've been talking about how the church is family. And we've been asking ourselves, how can we make the church feel like no place like home? The only reason we can be considered family is because of one person. It's Jesus. The Bible says that we all have something in common, and that is that we have all sinned and we all fall terribly short of God's glory. But our, our, our sin doesn't deserve just a slap on the wrist. Your sin doesn't just deserve a timeout in the corner. 
Your sin deserves eternal separation from God. Our sin deserves God's wrath. But God in His massive love for you and I, He didn't leave us abandoned. He didn't leave us orphaned. He didn't leave us homeless in our wretched sin condition. Instead, Creator God enters His creation in the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is why we celebrate the Christmas season. We worship Emmanuel, God with us. God made flesh. Why? Jesus' sole reason for living was to die. Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life, the life that you and I could not live. And he died the death that you and I deserve to die in our place in order to pay our sin debt. God's wrath was fully satisfied in Christ's death. Jesus died in your place so that you wouldn't have to and so that your sin could be forgiven. And if you place your faith in Christ, not in your own works, not in your own abilities, not in your church attendance, not in how much scripture you memorize, not how many times you, you know, burn your knees in prayer. It's in Christ alone, by faith alone, through God's grace alone. If you put your faith in Christ, you can experience the forgiveness of your sins. Have your relationship with God restored. The story doesn't end in Christ's death because three days later God raised Christ from the dead, conquering Satan's sin and death. And as Jesus was raised to life, when you put your faith in Him, not only do you experience the forgiveness of sin, but you experience newness of life as well. And if you're here today and you've yet to make that decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want to give you a second to ponder that, to think it. And to have an opportunity to respond to that invitation. You see, this invitation is between you and God. It's, it's, it's a decision that you make. It's between you and God. So I'll give you a second to think about that. If you haven't made that decision, think about it. To put your faith not in your own works, not in your own abilities. Put your faith in Jesus. Because we can't save ourselves. But Jesus can Put your faith in Him. And if that's a decision that you decided to make today, the decision you made between you and God, we would love to know so that we can celebrate with you, so that we can help you take your next steps because a welcoming church disciples others. So we want to help you take those next steps and be more like Christ and put a Bible in your hand and help encourage you and celebrate with you. So that's you. If everybody would take out their connection card uh, real quick, if you haven't filled it out, you, got, you didn't have a chance to fill it out earlier, go ahead and finish. Scribble down your email, whatever, real quick. Now, on the back, there's some next steps. And, and if you've yet to make a, a decision to follow Christ, and that's the decision you want to make today, check that off. If you made that decision, check it off and let us know. So we want to celebrate with you. Now for the rest of us, there's some next steps for us too. Right? Because a, a welcoming church... Uh, there's a place for us to serve and to grow, right? And there's a place for you to serve. And so if you feel like there's an area in this church that you want to serve, you want to plug in, or you want to just talk a little bit more about it, then let us know. Check that off. We want to follow up with you and try to plug you in into the appropriate ministry or place so that you can grow and you can utilize the gifts and abilities and talents that God's given you to share that with others so that we can all benefit, we can all grow, and to welcome new people as well. So you can check that off as well. Let's swerve. Let's let's be a welcoming church. Can we be a welcoming church? What do you guys think? Hallelujah. Not just for ourselves, but for those that are not here yet. Would you guys join me in, in prayer? 
Lord, help us be a welcoming church. Help us remember, God, that you are already at work. You are pursuing. You are calling. You are loving. You are drawing all people unto yourself. And since you are at work, we know, God, that this family will grow. And as it continues to grow, help us position ourselves to welcome, to love, to care, you know, for uh, and extend hospitality. As you seek and save the lost, and as lives are cha- forever changed by the good news of Jesus, I pray that we may be able to disciple them, and to disciple them well, and to lead them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. I pray for those hearts right now in this room that you are currently working in. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would do a complete regenerative work in them right now. I pray that you would get glorified. Lord, I pray that we would be a welcoming church for the glory of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.